Hello and welcome to DKI Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. This is episode number 129. I am your host, Joel, as always, and joining me on the line, as always, is Jace. And things are actually working somehow, magically. Maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. I don't know. His audio setup has not been cooperating a lot, so if you're, you hear fuzz, we apologize. But anyways, welcome on in, folks. Today broadcast is October 21st, 2022. We're getting really knee-deep in spooky season here. And in recognition of the spooky times, we're going to be continuing to talk about some spooky things. And where would we be talking about spooky things if not talking about witches? There are many, many witches to be discussed, both new and old. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to go through just a couple of our watched shows this week. We are now about a third, sorry, not a third, a quarter of the way through the fall 2022 season. Things are really starting to take shape. Everything has finally had its uh, premiere at the very least. There were a couple that didn't uh, in the past two weeks, but now everything has at least gotten its episode one. So we're able to actually have full commentary there starting to actually shake out. All right, what are we going to watch? What are we probably going to drop? I know for me, um, the little lies we tell is a show that was mentioned initially on our preview show of it is four characters all of whom are hiding something one of them is an alien one is able to read minds one is a ninja and one is a guy at an all-girls school and that last one made me really really uh oh uh oh what, what's going on here? How's this going to work? Go because horribly wrong. This could go terribly wrong. The rest of it all sounded like, you know, almost New Age Haruhi. But that big asterisk gave me pause. I am happy to say that they did find a way to sidestep it pretty effectively. The mechanic at play is that the character has a identical twin sister. And the twin sister basically strong-armed her brother into attending the school that she was supposed to attend because the sister wants to attend the brother's school to be nearer her, to her crush. Um, the, the guy makes a comment very quickly uh, saying, you know, at first I thought it might be so bad, maybe there'd be some chances for quote-unquote sexy accidents, but then he quickly doubles back saying, but then I realized, no, I'm not really... Uh, uh, interested in that anyways. I'm not attracted to any of my classmates, and I'm kind of into older women anyway. And then after that, they just sort of drop it. Like, there's no sexualization of the characters. There's a bathroom scene that happens, and there's nothing sexual about it. There's no innuendos. It is just a, a scene that happens to happen in the bathroom. And it's handled tastefully. So, for the time being... I'm going to keep my eye on the little lies we all tell. They didn't completely face plant in episode one. That doesn't mean they won't face plant down the line, but they got past the starting line at the very least. So good for them. I've still got my eye on you. Don't trust you entirely yet. I mean, I've got some that are still kind of fence post. I mean, they're not leaving a big impression on me per se. Um, it's enough to keep me curious, but with the deck so stacked this season, I don't think uh, a few things are going to really like 
hang on, even though there, even though there's a, 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 a an invested interest per se, the fact that there's so much good stuff, it's like, uh, I've, I've got, uh, Shinobi no Ituki and, uh, Chiming Crazy University are just like hanging on that precipice of the, am I going to keep going with it? Am I not going to keep going with it? Like it's not going to, it's, it's such a freaking like razor's edge because there are at least six good shows this season, not including, uh, spy family because it started earlier this year or my hero being season six. I'd say we've got not a top five, but a top six this season from my point of view, at least with Gundam, Chainsaw Man, Eminence in Shadow, uh, Villainous, uh, Tames of Final Boss, and Raven in the Inner, Inner Palace. Now, uh, just to be clear, when you say top six, are you saying like those are your top six for the season, or do you think those are all contenders for the end of the year top ten? For the season, those okay. are the ones topping uh, topping what I've got. Uh, yeah. Top ten is a bit differently because it's been a stacked year. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to check in on that. Um, give me those top six that you had again. It was Chainsaw Man, Eminence Chainsaw and Shadow. Man, uh, Eminence and Shadow, uh, Gundam Witch from Mercury, uh, Villainous uh, Tames the Final Boss, uh, Akiba Made War, and Raven of the Inner Palace. Okay, yeah, uh, that, that just about scans for me. Um, to go down my list pretty quickly, just in alphabetical order, um, the lies we all tell, which is at the top because of the Japanese name, Akiba Made War, um, Villainess, Hero Academia, Chainsaw Man. I watched the first two episodes of um, the More Than a Married Couple But Not Quite Lovers or something along those lines. Yeah, More Than a Couple, Less Than Lovers. Um, it's okay. It's very predictable. The the show has a fair bit of fan service. It's not egregious. Um, it's shaping up to be the very predictable sort of stock. Oh, we're not actually interested in each other, uh, but we're going to act like we're interested in each other to reach our common goal. And oops, we're going to fall in love with each other for realsies. And it's not bad. But if I had to point to one and say, this is probably what I'm going to drop just by virtue of it not being super engaging or new, it looks great. It's a, it's a very pretty show. It uses a lot of bright colors, and I like that. But it's just, it, it wasn't quite, all right, I need to drop this. This is bad. But I'm looking at it being like, eh, if something's going to give, you're first on the chopping block, and it's not particularly close. Uh, Eminence and Shadow, I'm, I've really enjoyed that. This is the type of isekai power fantasy that I enjoy. Good amount of comedy, good amount of just fun magic and over-the-topness doesn't take itself too seriously, but still has enough depth and gravitas that it can keep my attention. Uh, Raven the Inner Palace, absolutely punching above its weight class. Mobile Suit Gundam, I got chills this week watching that show. The soundtrack is next level. It is like, amazing. Like I like heart racing levels of good and we get good soundtracks 
on the regular, because obviously if someone's going to be working on a production level anime, they're probably going to get at least a decent composer. I mean, but, you had Call of the Night was just a total vibe the whole time. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was Cyberpunk nice. had Akira Yamaoka doing the uh, the original music for it, uh, aside from the music that was taken from the Cyberpunk uh, game soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, but Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury is just, it, it felt like, ugh, I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this. I almost want to compare it to John Williams, but John Williams doesn't work because John Williams is a great theme writer. He's not a a battle music More, writer. Uh, Hans Zimmer, Closer maybe, Hans Zimmer. maybe something like that. But the bottom line is, I was watching the show and I was just so invested in the scene. But at the same time, I was acutely aware the music right now is bringing this from already amazing to just that next level. So. I'm going to, you know, hype I'd, it up I'd again. Say, Mobile Suit uh, Gundam, which for Mercury. It's definitely it. taking heavy cues from Utena because that's what that show was known for was the score by J.A. Caesar and this kind of like power rock meets choir and orchestra uh, with a different song literally for every duel. Which makes me wonder, are we going to keep hearing the same kind of fight music throughout this? Are we going to get original compositions based off of the situation and who she's fighting? Like, it's taken so many cues. I I mean, just it hit me again watching it uh, within the past few episodes. The uh, bit where uh, uh, she's gardening and in Utena, what do we see Anthe always doing? tending to the roses so the more i watch the more like ties i keep seeing to utina and i'm just like how much more like how can they can they just borrow and pay homage to with it it's really just kind of impressing me and it's it's giving me more old school vibes almost than urusei yatsura which is legit a throwback yeah um Bibliophile Princess was watching episode three just earlier today, a couple hours ago. It's that is a a pastry puff of a show in that it is light, fluffy. It's very sweet. Like th this is a shoujo's shoujo. This is exactly what it says on the tin. If you're looking for that doki doki fua fua, bright pastel colors, charming prints, literally, and it, this is just hitting all the marks and it's one of those things where it's not doing anything necessarily original but it's doing everything in its genre at top class level that it's just so easy to tune into and it's one of those things that the episodes fly by because the dialogue is really good the scenes are really good um we're seeing some really solid early growth from the characters showing all right we're you know getting somewhere this is no i'm not worried about this being a will they they won't they that this is very clearly a will and are situation but we're actually getting to see real relationship growth in the first three episodes and that's awesome uh love love alternative season two who baby you want to get the big sad and trauma uh, here you go. Uh, this is this is the. I'm not going to call it a downer of a show. This is the one. 
it's like ReZero. That's what it is. You want to get hurt, but you want to be super excited to tune in the next week. This is that show. Um, Novice Alchemist is probably second on my list of things that would get dropped of just, you know, it's nice. It's also fluffy, but not as engaging as Bibliophile Princess for me. Um, but at the same time, it's still just good enough with its comedy and with its uh, characters to keep my attention. And then you have Spy Family, which is, you know, just I'm always excited to tune into Spy Family. I'm still catching up with uh, Mob Psycho. I'm almost at the end of season one. Looking forward to getting into season three because the animation quality of some of those moments with this sort of uh uh god uh vincent van gogh like starry night-esque uh mm. kind of painting moments are so unique animation wise compared to like i mean other animes and stuff like that so i mean thank you for reminding I, uh, me that's the other one that i haven't started yet just you know have a bit of a bad taste in my mouth with all the kerfuffle going on around it i'm gonna get to the uh show eventually but uh, that'll probably be something that I finally actually start this week. But yeah, a uh, lot of solid stuff this season. Yeah, I'm uh, I'd say so far out of everything. I mean, I watched one episode of Vazrock, dropped it immediately after finding out that it was more of a tie in to a drama CD that came out before it. Um, it inspired me to draw. So I'll probably look up screenshots of it later on and uh, you know, use that as more inspiration. But uh, that was about it. Oh, um there was I, one other uh, what's love, the other one love flops yeah i haven't had a chance it, to watch it yet actually this show has a giant asterisk on it because at first blush it this is just a harem show it is a absurdly brazen harem show of that the five female characters are all instantly head over heels trying to win over the main character um you have a guy among some who is openly a guy and a the mechanic setup is literally the father of the main character who is not seen but is who speaks to them through uh, like screens and messages says you know you're gonna choose one of the i want you to choose one of these five people to uh to to be the person that you marry. And he says, yes, I know there's a guy there. I think in this day and age, it shouldn't matter. I wanted there to be an option. So that's cool. Um, just the fact that we are actively diversifying our harem shows. I can get behind that, if nothing else. Um, the, the gimmicks at play are a little bit stale, not offensively so, but it's... It, predictable again is the word that i keep coming back to but the reason that i put a giant asterisk on this one is that judging from the opening scene and just little hints that we're getting something is not right in the world that the opening scene shows what almost looks like a matrix situation the main character leaves his house in the morning and comes back and uh, he, uh, the five potential romance partners are there. And he says, well, this place only has three rooms. There's not going to be space for all of you. And then he looks up and he sees that there's been an addition to his house built. There's three new rooms. That wasn't there this morning. 
this is a futuristic society in that you can tell it's basically supposed to be something like 20 to 40 years in the future. Not we're, we're not dealing with flying spaceships and hover packs and all that stuff, but we're at tech plus plus. But there's just certain elements here. Like one of the characters is able to do an off screen, off screen quick change that is with tech that's not really explained. And the fact that why are all five of these uh, suitors here and so eager and why is the father being so active but also says it's fine if you don't choose any of them but I'm giving you these five options. Here you go. It's just so... It's, it's presenting a lot of questions, making no attempt to answer them and it's, it just feels so blatant in its complete aversion to answer these questions that makes me think that something is afoot. I think they're in a virtual world. I think that our main character may be comatose. And that this is something that is being played out into his psyche. And like, maybe they think that finding him a romantic partner or like getting his heart and mind to, you know, react in a certain way could break him out of his coma. I don't know. This is me sort of grasping at straws. I saw a couple other posts saying, I'm not the only one that thinks something is awry here, but that is what might keep me in this show. And I feel I need to sort of put this out there because this is only, I've only seen the first two episodes. So this is still very early stuff. Nothing has been confirmed. But the, the, the setup here, the dressings of the show are just so stock and tropey and over the top. But, and if it weren't for this other thing, just sort of hiding beneath the surface, just enough for me to be, you know, suspicious that there's something else here. That is what might keep me in the door. Interesting. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to like rethink it. Cause I haven't even had a chance to watch it yet. And it was, it was, it was a big curiosity of mine. I mean, I, yeah. uh, I enjoy a good, uh, I, I guess cause it's a nostalgia feeling going back to like, love Hina and Tenji Moyo. Like I enjoyed a decent harem from time to time. So the fact that you're saying that there might be a coma dream type thing going on with it is definitely uh, adding a new yeah. layer. A new and I feel like I need to spell that out because I'm, I'm going to wait one more week before I just openly on the air, talk about what I would occupy war is doing. Like I said, I was going to give it until the third episode has had a week out. Um, but I feel like I need to do that first two episode pseudo spoiler here right away because it's the type of thing that they are just subtle enough things that you might write them off. And I think that's the intention. Um, and if you were not necessarily of the mindset of something is wrong in this world, that you might just look at it as a very, like I said, tropey harem show. and. I think that enjoyment will be increased if you have this nagging feeling, this sort of mystery. And gosh, I hope that I'm right that something's wrong. Otherwise, this is just going to be a really boring show. But I, there's enough 
hints being dropped. And like I said, it it feels like an oops, I just dropped this hint, but brushes it up so fast that if you aren't looking for it, that you might actually blink and miss it. Now, now after this is all said and done, I'm gonna have to go and uh check it out because I'm I'm now like really kind of curious. Um and yeah, Akiba made war continuing with the uh the chef's kiss like it is oh, yeah. just that pure absurdity the action the like, we, like i said i don't want i don't want us to go into full detail until next week but as of now it's looking like a more episodic feel hopefully with some sort of growth at the end but even if not it's just so damn fun what's going on i feel like there's going to be an underlying serialized story to it there's there's Probably. definitely some sort of continuity that they're working towards but they have to kind of bring they have to hook you first with that well, uh, over the topness and i mean if you're not hooked by episode three i hate to say this but do you feel do you do are you are you feeling do you are you capable of laughter like or or excitement for that matter might might want to be checked out because I mean, like <laughs> it is just I there are some things that aren't for some people, blood, violence, some people can't handle that to some degrees. It's like Chainsaw Man. If you do not like the color red, don't watch Chainsaw Man. There is some blood and violence in this. Uh I would I, I would compare it. I would compare the violence in Akiba Made War, though, to say a Quentin Tarantino film. It's situational, it is a little over the top. But it's still somewhat like it's it's not like, you know, horror movie levels of gore everywhere. Yes, very much. So. Agreed. But yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, don't don't sleep on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think that's enough of that. So let's get on to she's a witch. The burn her, burn her. So which is an anime. For our purposes today, I want to focus on things that are called witches and have at least some semblance of imagery, iconography, tropiness connected to the Western definition of a witch. So, you know, the big hat, the broomstick, that it can't just be, oh, we call magic users in this world witches, that there there has to be a little bit of something that we're we're not going to count Gundam the Witch from Mercury because as of now at this point in time there's nothing to suggest that she is actually magical which is just a slang term thrown around to insult her similarly C2 from Code Geass there's your reference called a witch multiple occasions similar to Gundam Witch from Mercury and you know keep in mind this is the same team so also not surprising that they like the same slang C2 while magical is not a witch in the, like I said, sort of quote-unquote traditional sensibility of it. But uh, let's go with Monica Magica has witches, and they occupy sort of a weird middle ground because one thing that you brought up before the show, Jace, is that witches are sort of the basis for magical girls, and we're not going to count all magical girls as witches for the purposes of this episode today, but there are certain magical magical girls that are witches. It, the you know Some squares rectangle, that, uh, but not all rectangles are squares. Situation exactly. A lot of them drew inspiration from that western, you know, pointy hat, rides a broomstick, 
that, uh, you know, bewitched, uh, you know, that that type of cliche. A lot of them draw from it to the point where the very first magical girl anime, Mahotsukai Sally, uh, in 1966, she's literally a witch with a broomstick. And so the iconography has always prevailed over there in Japan. But it's interesting that Madoka Magica kind of brings you full circle by having the fact that, and I mean, the Statue of Limitations is well over on this for spoilers, but basically the fact that the magical girls fight witches, but the witches themselves are magical girls who have fallen and gotten corrupted and turned into monsters. It's like, wow, magical girls and witches just suddenly back together all under one umbrella in one beautifully dark package. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm just not sure if for our purposes today I'm going to count that as witches that there is some witch lore in the sense of you know like it, this is still dark magic and whatnot um and the idea of you know oh witches are generally going to be antagonists but I think the fact that there's still more magical girl than witches and I feel witch is sort of a term here I'm not really going to count it so I want to move on a little bit uh, you're talking like traditional witches riding yeah. broomsticks and stuff like that then uh look no further than miyazaki who's used them several times in his work most oh, notably yeah. kiki's delivery service yeah, i mean that's a witch girl riding broomstick who has magic powers and a talking black cat boom there you go it's it's just uh you know japan's version of sabrina <laughs> but it, she's not even i've teenager. never heard kid. it said in those words but you're not wrong <laughs> yeah i mean uh you get the wisecracking talking black cat and you got a girl who's you know growing up and coming into herself you know and you got the 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 male interest of sorts but she's too young to be the whole interested in boys thing so you know it's it's pursuing a friendship and it's just it's it's sabrina but like taken to a wholesome extreme like you know and in, in kind of old-fashioned and homey but it's it's definitely if you want to look for a traditional witch in an anime series like or or yeah, just that, that's anime, as tropey as it's going to get. Yeah. That's as one to one without it being evil witch as you're going to get. And one thing I will say is that um, one thing I sort of realized as I was prepping for this episode is that generally speaking. In anime, it it's sort of interesting that you have the duality of which is frequently used as a derogatory term towards someone who is perceived as magical or evil. But in the vast majority of shows that use traditional witch tropes, as in, you know, characters with the big hats and the broomsticks, the vast majority of witchy witches in anime are good characters, are protagonists. And the funny thing is, is that uh, typically, uh, like in the case of uh, the aforementioned Mahotsukai Sally, while the title is translated as Sally the Witch, Mahotsukai means magic user. So it's kind of funny that in a lot of instances, sometimes they just refer to a character in translation as a witch, but is really just a female magic user. So it's which is usually has a negative connotation thanks to uh the mythology surrounding them with of course uh 
my neck of the woods, very infamous Salem witch trials. Um, so it goes back to our joke at the beginning, burn the witch, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that actually the name of an anime? I think, uh, burn the witch. Yes. The burn yeah. the witch is the spinoff from bleach, uh, which, uh, I suppose is also topical for the season. Um, that it in terms of anime form was done as a three-part OVA, effectively a film, uh, just over an hour in runtime. And it's a standalone, so you don't need to know Jack about Bleach to enjoy Burn the Witch. Um, but that is one where they have their brooms, uh, that uh, they don't have the hats and everything. And uh, I, I won't spoil all of it, but I will say that a, the fact that it is a spin-off of Bleach means that there's several cool connections and they do something pretty neat at the end that uh any bleach fan will smile at for sure um one that uh, i want to point out that is one that i've actually called out as a favorite of mine for a while just you know in the name little witch academia uh it is mm. again a trigger production funny enough it's hey it's another trigger production that's on netflix <laughs> If anything, I think this was the first Trigger production that was a Netflix exclusive. And this is one that is two seasons long. And it is just, I point to this as one of the best anime to get a kid into anime with. That this is entirely family friendly. It is super entertaining for any age. Like I, you know, I watched this when, you know, 26, 27 at that point in time. I loved this show. I thought it was super solid, very fun. But the whole time I was watching, it was like, I could show this to a seven-year-old cousin and there'd be nothing objectionable here. That it hits that balance. And for Studio Trigger, you know, the fan service Studio Trigger to have just a genuinely wholesome and totally unsexualized show like this sort of was like oh cool they are capable of this they just choose not to and uh you know this is as witchy as it gets whole nine yards broomsticks hats robes basically it's anime harry potter that's kind of funny anime, anime harry, harry potter, potter minus the, the transphobic creator what more could you want that's actually the best part <laughs> um and speaking of uh schools in anime uh another good example of a traditional tropey witch uh so to speak would have to be uh in the anime soul eater blair the uh the cat so the oh yeah she, uh, turns into a black cat mm. but oh, she yeah. has the traditional she, big brimmed pointy hat of a she witch lives she lives in a pumpkin her whole thing with her spells is like you know palm pumpkin halloween cannon like she is the embodiment of Halloween. And that's in a show that's already basically trying to be Halloween town. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just got creeped out by that giant grinning moon from the get go. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what is this Majora's mask? But yeah, I mean, uh, if, if Japan wanted to try to be, uh, uh, wanted their own version of, I, I almost wonder actually, what would a claymation version of Soul Eater look like? Oh <laughs> like, my! I I just I kind of want to see that take on it now. Like 
can somebody get like Studio Leica or or uh, uh, even just Tim Burton on the phone and be like, hey, hey, uh, this would be like right up your alley. Like, it's just get that vibe I'm, about it. Holy cow. <laughs> like, I'm. I'm an apologist as is for adaptations, because usually it's. Nine times out of ten, the creators or at least the folks that are involved with it creatively aren't trying to make money that sometimes the studio is just in it for money but they usually are able to get creatives on the project that are well-meaning even if the execution isn't good and you know you talk about these different concepts of what would you want from a live action or an adaptation done by hollywood and jace you just introduced a entirely new concept to me that I have never even remotely considered for before because you want to talk Hollywood pedigree, something that would turn the layman's head. You say the words Soul Eater by Tim Burton. Holy cow. You're welcome. <laughs> I just, uh, it's, it's one of those things where some of those character designs and just the aesthetic of seeing that moon right away at the beginning screams that it was inspired by Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. I, and like, then, like... If I want let... it, man. Like, give <laughs> me this claymation, Tim Burton. Oh, my gosh. Because, uh, the, uh, of the... all things, that certainly hasn't been tried before. We've tried live-action adaptations in Hollywood. We've tried animated adaptations in Hollywood. I don't think there has ever been a claymation attempt from Hollywood for an anime adaptation, because goodness knows, claymation is... A rarity to begin with in and Hollywood. it's quite expensive unfortunately oh, yes. to produce but at the same it is time expensive and painstakingly slow i i really just would love to see because cgi is uh aiding in the production of uh making them a little bit easier to animate mm -hmm. and do a little more over the top stuff again like a studio their stuff is absolutely amazing top tier uh, the best you will see in stop motion animation. They are cutting edge for it. Uh, they are the Pixar of stop motion. And uh, it's a shame we don't see more stop motion because it's such a great... Uh, the only form. other studio that I would put up with uh, Leica is Ardman Animations, which is the studio that did Wallace and Gromit. Yes, yes. They, they are legendary as well. Um, and now, now you got me wondering what anime would be best, uh, best put with Ardman. I don't know why, but maybe because of the roundness of Ardman, uh, I'm thinking Lupin the third by Ardman studio. Okay. We need, we need to stop but this. We've gone too far. Enough from about witches. this. Well, Let's go back to the I, I'm all for having an episode down the line of what do we want done in claymation now though? So yeah. I'm going to make a, a note for that. Let's, uh, back let's to, get back to the witches and go through the ditches. The one called Flying Witch. It is literally just called Flying Witch. Have you seen this one, Jace? No, I haven't, actually. It is Wholesome Slice of Life, but she's a witch. And that she moves to this not-quite-rural town. Um, you know, it's somewhere in between suburban and rural. and. It's this very picturesque village. Um, have you seen Nononbiori? 
Nope, that's another one I haven't seen. Okay, dang it. Um, hmm. It. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine Nietzsche Joe. Just imagine Nietzsche Joe, but the main character is a light magic user witch. Yeah, that she has a broom, she has a black cat, she has these tropes, and you know she just sort of is the resident witch of this town. And you just get these nice little slice of life episodes, and it's so damn quaint uh, and it, that she's basically she's supposed to be completing her witch training, um, but it's just you know, she goes to school, she makes friends, she learns how to be a better at witchcraft and everything, but it's it's that quiet, simple. She's using her magic in these everyday situations and it's got a good blend of comedy but it's got a lot of heart definitely recommend uh it's called again just flying witch that's all it's called um according to what i have here it's actually available on a whole bunch of platforms crunchyroll high dive verve and prime that's kind of amazing actually that it would be on that many platforms i wonder uh i wonder who's the uh distributor behind that but that's a question to be asked later on the uh Media discussion board over uh, on uh, the Discord. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, do you have any others that you want to bring up? I'd say, uh, I'd say one of the most notable for me has to be the infamous time witch Yuko from Pollock by Clamp, who also did the character designs for Code Geass. Boom! Second time it's been referenced. <laughs> um, there's just something about the artwork style and the dark storytelling, the dark Gothic visuals that clamp uh, conjures up um, the inhumanly <laughs> stretched out body proportions that the characters have that actually accentuate the story and kind of like add to the mystique that look. And it's just, it is it is the kind of show that's actually perfect to watch around Halloween because it's got that it's got mystery, it's got drama, it's got uh supernatural elements. Um Yeah, and it's you interesting that you bring up Yuko because Yuko for all of the non-visual qualifications hits the definition of a witch that we're looking for today in this episode in that she is a magic user in a world that doesn't have magic as necessarily commonplace uh, or uh, you know is that slightly bit different and she's definitely called the time witch but she doesn't have the western visual tropes that we were mentioning that it's more you know, she, along she doesn't the lines have a black of... hat she doesn't have a hat but this is at the same time feels like a very japanese aesthetic of a witch. Yeah, it's a, day, a you know. different, uh, it's, it's definitely that uh, aesthetic. It's their adaptation of what a witch would be like, I guess, because there are certain things that, uh, uh, like, like the uh, pipe that you see her smoking, that strangely enough, what is the male equivalent to a witch other than warlock, or in some instances, wizard, I guess, depending on how you're looking at it. And who else smokes a ridiculously long pipe? Gandalf. 
Gandalf. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, that she's, a, she's essentially a hermit. She has this long black hair. People seek her out for her otherworldly expertise, that she is a expert in her subject. Um, and like you said, she is called the Time Witch, so she does have that title. Not necessarily one that I reflexively think of because she doesn't have those visual elements, but yeah, sure, I will count her as a witch here. Um, there, just a couple of years ago, one that I really enjoyed, uh, um, I know Mario did as well, Wandering Witch Elena, uh, or, or sorry, it was Wandering Witch, uh, the story of Elena, let me, where did that one go? Yeah, sorry, Wandering Witch, The Journey of Elena. Uh, and this is one where, you know, we've got the big hats, we've got the brooms, that this is very witchy witchness. Um, and this was a story that was just super delightful, that it's presented as memoirs somewhat of uh, Elena. Um, they do a lot of really interesting stories, that this is one that... I think the best comparison, it's not quite to the level of Violet Evergarden, but it is similar in the sense that certain episodes are going to be light and fluffy and happy, and certain episodes are just going to hit you in the gut. Dang. Like, <laughs> I would not uh, expect actually, that. Actually, no, wait, no. Kino's Journey. That's the analogy. Oh, okay. God, magical that, Kino's Journey. That, that Magical Kino's Journey. That, uh... That is a name I have not heard in uh, a long time, Kino's Journey. <laughs> well, we had the re-release, or not re-release, but, you know, the remake of it recently. That was only, like, two years ago. I didn't even realize they uh, they remade it. I just, uh, I remember the original being released by ADV back in the day. But yeah. uh, speaking of back in the day, um, and the funny thing is, this came out in Japan in 02, uh, made it to Adult Swim in 04, and if I had to compare it to anything nowadays, uh, I would compare it to Supernatural, which is funny because that show didn't start until 2005. Witch Hunter Robin is definitely, while it's in the title, Witch Hunter, it is not your typical visual witch, but it is set in a Western setting, and she fits more of not the Halloween witch, but rather the more, um, uh, I, I want to say like spiritual aesthetic of a witch, the more modern witch, you know, involving uh, the, the spell circles and rituals and things like that. So, uh, and, and less the Halloween imagery. Um, it does have some kind of gothy, like modern day, like edgy mid 2000s gothy vibes rather than traditional gothic which looks but it it was a great freaking show that i feel uh uh shows that kind of caught a similar vibe to it um and had that dynamic uh psychopaths reminded me a lot of uh witch hunter robin so if you haven't seen witch hunter robin but you've seen psychopaths go uh, go out of your way try to find uh witch hunter robin uh during uh, October, just so you can kind of get that Halloweeny vibe from something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely one that just it, it's one of the exceptions to the observation I made earlier of witches being 
sorry, witchy witches in anime being generally good. This one is a witch hunter. Uh, okay, witches are actually bad in, in this one, or at least uh, most of them. It's it's like the trope we had last week with vampires who hunt vampires, where we had like Trinity Blood and Vampire Hunter D. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we have witches fighting witches or magical girls who could become witches yeah. fighting now witches. i'm <laughs> now for the big question does strike witches count i say no i would not count that i would not count but i kind of <laughs> had to just bring it up because witches is in the name it's in the name and, it's in the title and we yeah. have the timeless tagline because gosh you know just every so often you get a show where the marketing team for some reason, got the green light to just do something absurd. Do you remember what the tagline is for Strike Witches? I think it had something to do with underwear. I mean, I think last season, there actually was a new Strike Witches entry that actually came yeah. out on mm-hmm. top of it all. So yeah, it's, it's, it's Strike- actually fairly recent uh, yeah. callback. Strike Witches winning the war on pants. Yeah, they had the the weird jet legs, so they wore skirts all the yeah. time. Yeah, it was, yeah. But anyways, no, Strike Witch is not actually counting, but too good uh, reference to not make. Um, one that I haven't seen, but while I was searching around that I found, which, you know, just judging from the aesthetics, I would qualify uh, as a witch for our purposes. Where did it go? Uh, Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches. That this one looks uh, like basically a uh, rom-com. The synopsis here says, High school delinquent Yana bumps into top student uh, Uruha Shiraishi and uh, the two tumble down the stairs, sharing an accidental kiss that causes them to swap bodies. This newfound power prompts the Supernatural Studies Club to to research the legend of the seven witches of Suzaku High School. Hey, Suzaku, does that count as a Code Geass reference? I'm going to say it does. And identify all the witches in the school. Um, it's 12 episodes. It says, uh, the body swap series avoids filler and fan service in favor of the good stuff. Uh, the girls coming to terms with their powers and the romance between the troublemaker and the nerd. Um, just judging from the key art, this is a very standard pointy hat, witches. so haven't seen that one came out in 2015. Neat. Uh, I, uh, I haven't seen much of it. I caught it in passing a few times on adult swim. I loved the uh, I it was it was fun from watching uh, the few episodes that I saw. Um, I, uh, I I'll I'll mention right now. Uh, Black Clover has witches in it uh, as well. So, Does that uh, and, count? Because I know that I've I've never seen any Black Clover. I know that the whole goal of the main character that you know I want to be Hokage and his is I want to be the Wizard King. So, how witchy are the witches in Black Clover? Um, well, there's a number of witches actually um, in it. Um, I, I believe they're villains over the course of the series. Um, I could okay, be wrong. I, I just did a quick Google image search for Black Clover witches, and yeah, these are witchy witches. That this is definitely uh, the big brimmed pointy hats. I. Uh, I, I got this vibe because it was a magic school. I'm going like, this is literally another case of Harry Potter, the anime. But in this case, it's Harry Potter meets Naruto. Yeah, that's that's uh, going to scan for me, at least. 
But at the same time, Harry Potter was a series that was also loaded with witch references, despite being about wizards. So, yeah, <laughs> but point, it, it was the type of thing that Harry Potter, in terms of the way it used the term witches, that it was just it was the female form of wizard. But in terms of broader pop culture and public consciousness, the concept of a witch and a wizard, while similar have occupied very different roles in folklore that wizards were generally kindly and nice and helpful, perhaps mischievous. Whereas witches were generally, you know, the harbingers of dark magic, the pariahs of society, huh? A little bit of gender commentary there. Perhaps I don't know. I'm, yeah, it was it because <laughs> society sucks. Anyways. So uh, thinking back to uh, the uh, to shows that aired, um, I'm pretty sure this got an Adult Swim airing. And if it didn't, I'm surprised it like if it didn't, I'm surprised it didn't. Uh, Rosario and Vampire, which we brought up last week because of Vampire, has a witch character who has the cliche pointy hat, uh, Yukari, uh, who is uh, one of the main characters in the series. She joins the uh, newspaper club in it and uh, it's a. Uh, I mean, Rosarian Vampire, Harem series. There's going to be all sorts of magical things in there uh, with our uh, with our male main character. So. <laughs> mm. Another one that I haven't seen, but the name that uh, has come uh, just, you know, I've come across the name many, many times is Maria the Virgin Witch. And this is a very interesting show for several reasons. One is it takes place in France during the Hundred Years' War, which in and of itself is an anomaly for any yeah, anime. Yeah, going, it, uh, it's going an anomaly historical for, roots, but Western historical roots. Yeah, or, and not just Western historical, but French historical. Like, name me a time where an anime has done something French and it wasn't the Les Mis adaptation. Uh, Rose of Versailles, I believe. Yep, congratulations. You found like the one other thing. Um, the the Wikipedia article here says, follows Maria, who is one of the most powerful witches of her era. She intervenes against the warring nations by using her succubus and incubus familiars to manipulate opposing factions as well as large-scale illusions, all for the sake of helping people and maintaining peace. As a result, she has gained the appreciation of several villagers and the hostility of the church, which considers her a heretic. Yet Maria is still a virgin, and her own familiars tease her about it. As news of her action spreads, Archangel Michael focuses on Maria and rejects her interference in human affairs. After a direct confrontation, Michael ultimately decides that Maria will lose her magical powers if she loses her virginity and forbids her from publicly using magic, sending an angel called Ezekiel to oversee this decree. Um, this aired back in 2015. Huh, another 2015. Guess it was the year of the witch. Um, and of interest, it's 12 episodes directed by Goro Taniguchi. Wow. <laughs> We're just hitting them left, right, and center today, baby. For, for those who don't know, Goro Taniguchi is the director and the person who wrote the original story for Code Geass. There's another reference. Boom. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we're just hitting them left, right, and center today. Uh, who knew that Code Geass had such close ties to witches other than uh, C2? Yeah. <laughs> Any others um, that you've got? I'd say a couple worth quickly mentioning. Um, 
One, uh, because it's uh, currently a buzz uh, due to both uh, controversy and the game just releasing. Bayonetta did get an anime movie. Um, so thus, oh, yeah, video game adaptation, that. but also that, that anime. Was, that was basically just CG. Well, was no, it that, CG? One was, that one was actually drawn. That was, was hand that drawn. On that one? Okay, yeah, it was not. Uh, it was right. not uh, done with game graphics. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, but there, there was a bit the, of CG uh, in there, probably just for the special effects and stuff. But yeah, so, uh, Bayonetta, then, Bloody uh, Fate. There you are. Another uh, another one. Um, albeit this is based off of a Western property, Witchblade. It's in the title, mm. but it does involve witches. It involves swords. It is a very apt title. It is also full of fan service. It is very over the top, which is in line with its Western origins as well. If you've seen the original uh, Witchblade comics. Um, but it is just another interesting side note because we've been talking about Western aesthetic witches in anime, but in this case, Witchblade is an anime based off of a Western comic. So it's a little, a little bit of a crossover there, cross cultural, but not actually taking the culture, just literally straight up taking the IP and going, let's do an anime now. <laughs> now let's see. Uh, starting to run low on time, but just a couple last ones. Uh, I do appreciate the Bayonet one. Um, one that I keep seeing as i was looking around for which shows sort of just to remind myself um well we do have re-zero uh but that is once again going to be a case of you know they call them witches but are not our traditional conventional witches there's one called sugar sugar rune which definitely has the normal aesthetic uh the little blurb i have here is with the colorful and vibrant art style of ca and casted characters Sugar Sugar Rune follows a series of witches who are competing to become the new queen of the witch world. How do they accomplish that? By collecting human hearts, of course, but the task is a little more difficult when your main rival is also your best friend. Huh. But uh, this one is actually older. I hate that I say older and that this is from 2005 and 2006. Um, but there we go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh... Studio Piero. Oh, another one of that era, actually, now that I think about it, thinking back to the uh, the magazine episode we did. It's a cool episode. Go ahead and uh, look that up uh, in our past uh, podcasts. Uh, if you're enjoying this one, please listen to the other ones. They are also awesome. Um, Magicano is another uh, witch-related anime. Uh, came out around, uh, uh, I want to say, 06. Uh, it was a release by ADV Films. Don't know if it's uh, available on any platform anymore uh, since when they went under. I know Funimation picked up like most of the stuff, but not all of it. Um, so some of it just kind of got lost in the ether, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, this is why I always say support the anime companies. Subscribe. It's not as expensive as Disney Plus or Netflix or the rest of those. You can afford some Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll, please give us a discount code for people, please. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag, yeah. Eh. We'll take it. <laughs> well, we'll probably, yeah, we'll probably take that sponsorship, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Magicano was definitely another one of those. Uh, Oop, Jace. You'll have to, uh, excuse me, okay. to freaking uh, uh, press the talk screwed up on me. Um, it's, it's definitely 
an anime of its time period um where it's uh i i wouldn't i wouldn't op- like it doesn't come to mind right away it's one of those things where it's like oh yeah that came out then so i didn't see a lot of people cosplay it back then i did see a good number of advertisements for it but it never aired on television um and uh i mean it's uh it's it's basically just kind of boy meets girl type of thing uh except with you know girl and her sisters all have magic powers they're all witches so uh, so it's like well that's lovely you know <laughs> it's uh it's, it's nothing to write home about but it's you know from that same time period so mm well, I think that's just about going to do it for us that I'm just about out of witchy witches that uh, I that fit the more narrow definition that we've set for today, that this is absolutely something we could end up revisiting in the future, especially if we broaden the scope to something that includes anything that is referred to as a witch. We could end up even doing some more granular comparisons that uh, this is more just a top down exploration of witches and what is one of the more prominent, I would say, Western influences on uh, Eastern media and anime as a whole because it, the, the quote-unquote conventional witch aesthetic that we've been sort of adhering to today is most definitely a, a Western creation. And, uh, you know, in anime, there's this sliding scale of how much of it is going to be you know, Japanese folklore, Japanese influence, or Japanese culture in general, that, you know, one of the biggest things you see in Japanese culture here is the way that high schools are run, that that is going to vary oh, yeah, wildly. And we've had a whole episode about that, but you see here, you know, witches and this being one of the bigger examples of something that has come from the West and influenced uh, Japanese culture, because goodness knows use of witches has extended beyond what you see in anime, but, uh, it's just a fun little thing to see. So thank you all uh, so much for tuning in. This has been episode 129 of Dikai, our weekly anime podcast. Uh, if you aren't already, be sure to like, comment, follow, subscribe, all that jazz here on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And on YouTube, you can see the trailer for Kokoro no Pro, our upcoming visual novel, uh, wrestling game being hit up by RJ and Mario. You can visit our sponsor Image Anime at imageanime.com and use the code DISCOUNTSHIP that is D-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-S-H-I-P for free shipping on orders of $100 or more and you can get Digital Era Entertainment merchandise from merch.streamelements.com slash Digital Era Entertainment. I will be back along with you, Jace, tomorrow the 22nd of October at 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our next radio drama. We are going to be doing Ace Attorney Turnabout Spotlight. This is the Phoenix Wright stage show that uh, that ran in Japan. It actually never made it stateside. It was never localized either. So this is a <laughs> original story. It's a it's a considered canon, um, and it features obviously Phoenix, Miles, Maya, Gumshoe, the the normal cast there. But we also have a whole bunch of new characters and a fun story. So definitely want to tune in for that if you are at all a fan of Ace Attorney. That is going to be a Turnabout Spotlight tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I think that's just about going to do it. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch. Check out Raven of the Inner Palace. She's called a witch, too. (laughs) 